What's up, everybody? This is Will Stevens, and you're listening to Solopreneur Stories, the podcast that examines the best insights other solopreneurs have already figured out so you can use them in your life. On this show, I speak with guests ranging from brand new consultants to seasoned solopreneurs and passive side giggers to hardcore hustlers. We'll discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies that they're taking advantage of so all of you listening can do the same. In this episode, I speak with Garen Glackman. Garen is the founder of Follower Fuel, an Instagram marketing agency that connects businesses with real people to boost brand awareness and increase sales. Garen and I cover topics including the non-negotiables for setting yourself up for success, like exercise and time management, prioritization, niching in one category before moving to adjacent categories, leveraging systems and more efficient processes to free up time, and then reinvesting that time into high leverage activities, the difference between more and better, and other topics. Garen was a great guest and is doing really cool things in the social media space, so definitely check him out. So I hope you enjoy everything he and I speak about. Here's my conversation with Garen Glackman. Can you share a brief background about yourself and what led you to launch Hive and bring you where you are today? feel like the journey started out of high school, honestly, uh, getting into college. I, I wasn't always the most studious student. I definitely was more on the networking side, <laughs> having fun side and partying side. But school was just never for me. Uh, when I was in the classes, I, I really was like, you know, instead of studying for my geology test, I was working on a side business that I thought was going to be the next biggest thing. Inevitably, I felt like a lot of those ideas, I don't even call them businesses because I never even, you know, got off the ground, led me up to the point where I'm at today. You know, first it was like a Brotech, a protein supplement company for, you know, in a, in a laundry detergent bottle that would have been so easy for poor England, like the stupidest things that you think are going to just pop off in college. But, you know, it was like the business plan that we set up for the first time. And I had no idea what that was. And like just these little stepping stones, you know, got me further and further. Um, there was an app that I wanted to start called Busy, which is like, you know, mainly for like ple- essentially the idea of like having pledges, but like on demand and people could work for, you know, clean dishes and doing the, the tourist things like TaskRabbit almost and uh, more college focused though. Uh, you know, these, these, obviously these little ideas led to, you know, I had a big opportunity in college to run a restaurant that I think I mentioned to you before. Uh, it was called Tequila Tribe. I came up with the name myself. I was interning for a guy he told me he was starting a new restaurant with a big chain restaurant, kind of a one-off model. And I got to be a part of it. Um, and not going to lie, it was hell on earth because I worked my ass off, um, from morning till night. I felt like it was, you know, my own business. I was, you know, opening, I obviously wasn't an owner in it, but I was the sole manager, you know, buddy Jose and I, um, we, we ran the whole, whole thing from top to bottom. So it was definitely an experience and a, and a, and a good kind of step into like what it's like when you're your own boss and you're running your own schedule. And at first it seems overwhelming, but when you can get the hang of it, you really, I mean, it's kind of nice, right? You create your own schedule, you you know what's going to happen. And I feel like you get to control your own growth and which is the coolest part. So I uh, wore a lot of hats there that also helped my uh, business development skills for sure. Marketing, operations, things like that. Team leadership, management, that kind of stuff. Then, you know, as a 22-year-old, uh, you would think running a restaurant, only making like 15K a year would uh, survive so long doing it. Working like freaking six in the morning till two in the morning, it, it, it crashed, right? Summer's 
were dead in Tallahassee and the owners were like, Hey, we're not going to float the restaurant. Cool. I ended up just getting uh, one, you know, one way ticket to Colorado and, uh, had a buddy's couch to sleep on. I thought it was a good opportunity. And at the time I really had, uh, like $50 to my name. So I was pretty damn broke to say the least. Mm, yeah. Food service does that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, well, you know, pay was crap at the previous job. And I, I did want to continue hospitality management. I was like coming out there with the intention, like I want to run restaurants. Cause like Danny Myers was a big idol to me. And like setting the table was actually like one of the first books. I, I wouldn't even call it a self-help book, but just like more of like a, you know, just a, a, a deep dive into his life and his story, which inspired me to like want to do the same. Uh, so it was one, one of the first books that really kicked things into gear in terms of like entrepreneurship because he's a phenomenal entrepreneur, legendary Shake Shack, uh, Grand Marcy Tavern, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I came in with the idea of going into the restaurant industry. Uh, my buddy at the time was working at a dispensary. So I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I did get a job, you know, right at, right off the gate, uh, working as a hospitality manager, you know, managing these, uh, it was kind of an old person's home. There was three different, you know, sections. It was like uh, low class, medium class, and, you know, more wealthier class. And I kind of managed all of them. And I mean, it was great working with the people, but I was micromanaged. I hated my job. I just felt like, I felt like I was stuck. So when I was working the job, I was actually trying to create uh, an app at the time for the cannabis mm -hmm. industry. And like, I was just always hungry. Like, you know, I was never complacent. Like I was never happy at my, my current job. I was always like, how could I make my money doing my day job, if you will, was always my mentality, whether at school or that's, you know, any sort of opportunity that I was working on. And what could I do outside of that to like, build wealth, build growth, build something that is mine that I can take to the next level. So I was always hungry and I was trying to figure out what that was. So at the time it was an app called Peaked and that obviously never took off either, <laughs> but it was good. I learned a lot. I felt like it was a lot easier. You know, we were starting a, a business plan from three years ago doing it and then running a restaurant. I was like, this is, this is easy. I kind of know what pieces I need. And like, I just felt like the process from getting from idea to business was a lot faster. So it definitely, you know, the best thing that I would say is just like starting, you know, putting things together is really key. And then, you know, inevitably I, I, I got fired from the hostility job. Uh, did not work out. They said, Hey, we don't really see you too often. And cause I was skipping out and lunchroom and stuff and working on the idea. So I got fired and I took a, took a job in the dispensary, actually working as a, a bud tender, you know, it's like the entry level position in a dispensary, which was a, mm -hmm. kind of refreshing. Cause it went from like a very easy, simple job, but also a new industry, brand new, uh, to me, it was like, you know, revolutionary, um, with, booming industry, uh, 2017. So I, I felt very fortunate, honestly, I felt very, uh, at, you know, at peace with like my life and where I was going. And then, uh, quickly saw that they were lacking on the marketing side. I, I had a lot of experience on the marketing restaurant side. So I was like, Hey, let me help, you know, run your Instagram. Let me help, you know, build a website. Let me help, you know, do things that I had previously done for my restaurant, um, for this small dispensary. But, you know, keep in mind, this thing was doing like $3 million a year. So it's like a little, it's actually an old recording studio, tiny little place, but this place cranked people and sold a mm. lot of weeds. <laughs> so I ended up becoming the marketing manager. My you know friend who was just the entry level position became the general manager. Uh, so it was like, it, this was actually my best friend from middle school. So, you know, two kids from Florida living out in Boulder, Colorado, running a pot shop. So it was, it was fun. It was really fun. And the owners were very standoffish. Like they didn't really, they were not intervening with the operations so much. So 
we really had free reign to do whatever we wanted or whatever we felt would, you know, make the business better. Um, and it was, we did, it, we, we, we grew the business significantly. We, we crushed the competition. We took it to the next level. We made customer service a big priority. I ran a huge, huge ad budget of like a million dollars plus when ads were uh, not even able to be run at the time because, you know, it was small workarounds and the verbiage and it was just so effective. Like the cost per click was like, I think it was like 20 cents or point you know, 0.2 cents at the time, whatever it was. And, you know, we were getting just bombarded with foot traffic. It was insane. It was, it was a, it was an awesome opportunity. I learned a lot. And then, uh, then the pandemic hit <laughs> and, uh, like for, for everyone that kind of, you know, stirred things up for the cannabis industry, working in a brick and mortar retail, uh, spot, uh, it changed everything. We was like, you know, we had a, everyone's wearing masks and there's all these rules and requirements and we're bringing the products out. And so my marketing role kind of shifted into more of like operations and being boots on the ground again, and kind of that entry level position again, bud tending. And I, as much as I, you know, love it, I kind of felt like I was, you know, making a lateral move. I was like, I, I feel like I was merely growing in this marketing position and now they're moving me back to operations. I'm not happy now. Right. And mm -hmm. I think when anybody feels like that, it's important to like, evaluate like you know is it worth making a leap like do i want to stay here what does it look like if i'm going to be here for the next six months uh to a year plus at the time was you know starting a side business and that side business was hive at the time it was just a full service marketing agency you know google ads website at, you know influencer social media but i had this key offering that i feel like really like was my mvp if you will and at, when I was running the dispensary, I put a lot of time and effort into Instagram because there's a lot of limitations in the marketing world in cannabis. Um, and there's not really many places you could advertise your product, especially in 2017. So mm -hmm. Instagram was like the best way for us as a business, a brick and mortar establishment to identify customers. And, you know, I did something similar in college, right? So it's funny how ideas stem from, from previous ideas. In the restaurant industry, I was running the Tequila Tribe Instagram. And I was like, who loves margaritas? Sorority girls. So I'm going to go on the sorority girls pages. I'm going to like all their photos. They're going to either follow me back. And then I'm going to say, yo, we're Tequila Tribe. Like come in for some free shit, come free margaritas, free chips and salt. Like I was giving that out, you know, I just wanted foot traffic and it was booming and our Instagram took off and it was awesome. And so like, I took that same mentality, brought it to, to the, the dispensary and it also worked so well. And so I was like, there's something going on here with like Instagram and being like, I feel like I like, why is no one else, you know, connecting with their direct audience? Like you're posting good. I see people posting good content, things like that, but no one's, no one's directly engaging with their specific audience and then following up with them through the DMS, getting them to take action. So it was always something that I was like very curious on and, and saw a lot of success in, in different types of businesses. So when uh, I took the leap of faith, started my own business, left fresh baked, uh, the dispensary, thankfully I had a kind of like my first customer, if you will, it was a, it was a freelance gig as well as a first customer. They wanted a little bit more from me, uh, with my marketing experience. And I said, Hell yeah, let's kick this thing off. So I took it from there. Uh, I, I built built Hive while simultaneously taking on contract gigs and working with companies, building my experience in sales and marketing and cannabis through you know different companies, uh, just kind of helping them scale. And then at the same time, I was building out my own business. And you know, I feel like it's been a crazy journey coming from 2020 when I first started because I had no idea what the hell I was doing until today, where I feel like. I have more control and more transparency and more understanding of business growth than I ever have. So like 
you know, just like our conversation earlier, I feel more prepared for this, this year than I ever have. And it's cool. It's cool. And, and I will say like all of those little stepping stones kind of made me into the entrepreneur that I, that I am today. Um, and I feel like once you're an entrepreneur and once you're wired that way, it's hard to kind of rewire your brain. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm not open to like working for somebody or, or taking on a full-time job if it's, if it's the compensation's right, but having that like entrepreneurship mindset, uh, really in my opinion, makes you kind of like a step ahead, you know, your average employee, you know, you, you understand the business in whole. So having, you know, someone like an entrepreneur and like a marketing or sales role, uh, or honestly, any role in the company, in my opinion, is like the best person to have. Um, some people may be scared and hesitant because they're like, oh, they may take my idea. They may, you know, build their own version. But I feel like entrepreneurs are really the best employees to have on your team or best teammates to have uh, a part of your company. So yeah, uh, that's kind of where I'm at today is like still continuously growing in terms of uh, taking on new opportunities in the contract world, maybe even career. I'm still considering that the business is great, but hopefully I didn't ramble too much on that. No, (laughs) no, that's, that's great. This is, this is long form. That's why I like the podcast and not just tweets to each other because there was, there was so much in there that I'm going to want to come back to and uh and and build from so you said one part as far as you know when you were a student uh you weren't the best of students and i think i've said this elsewhere previously but you know just just myself i was a decent student in that like i knew how to get a's and b's and c's like i was kind of smart enough to get the work done i knew i just kind of had to like shut up and sit there and just like do the work but what made me a bad student has made me a good business person. And what I mean by that is, you know, the best students tend to be the most obedient students where they just answer the questions. They don't question the questions. They don't say, what are we doing here? (laughs) What's the point of this? Why? (laughs) You know, surely there must be a point. Like we're all gathered here in college, even it's like, we're paying a lot of money to learn this stuff. But like, what are we talking about? And not questioning any of it. Whereas I have been a bit of a disruptor, certainly in the classroom. And I think in in good instances, although probably in irritating instances too, in businesses where you have to just, you know, speak up when something doesn't make any sense. Because 100%. I think that, you know, the, the the political environment will force otherwise brilliant people to go along with bad ideas. Why? Because they have to be the obedient student who sits quietly in their chair and doesn't question unchecked assumptions. So what made you a bad student? And I guess I've kind of, I've I've kind of like given the spoiler, but like, has that now become a benefit of you as a business owner? Oh, most definitely. I think that's why I was always a bad student as well. You kind of hit the nail on the head. It's like that disruptor factor that like, why are we doing this? And like, I don't want to go down a long rabbit hole of the school system and how I think, you know, I think it's important for me. What I got out of school system is obviously basic education and I got a lot of connections and those connections like made me into who I am today. It, it paved the role. So like if anyone asked me, I have a kid, he's 10 month old, you know, will he want, will, is he going to go to college? Do I want him to go to college? Absolutely. Do I want him to make friends, network, feel, get a feel for the life and learn what he wants to do? I think that that's a great place to figure that out. Um, so I'm very, very pro school. And a lot of my friends are very like, Hey, I'm going to raise my kids at home and teach their own. You know what I mean? I, I I'm, I'm open to whatever, but, um, uh, yeah, for me, the disruptor question really, you really like hit the nail on the head there because even when it comes to working for companies, right? Like that's, that was big. My biggest flaw is like, 
you know, and I'm not going to lie, I've had some pushback working for people because you ask those questions like, why are we doing it this way? And it either goes two ways, right? The boss is going to say, you're right. And this is a really smart insight. And like, can you help in this area? Or you're wrong, stay in your freaking lane. And then that's when you hit the glass ceiling. And then for me, anytime I would have that resistance, um, especially when it's in the classes, like I, I didn't understand school for me because, you know, why study for a geology test? And I go back to this because I, the last test I remember failing, um, I ended up failing out of school, believe it or not. Uh, and I remember calling my mom, she'd be like, mom, they, they won't give me any more, uh, you know, financial aid. Like <laughs> that's it. They tapped out. Can you help me out? And my mom's a single mom, five kids. She's like, no, <laughs> come home. And I, and that's what kicked that whole entrepreneurship into gear. That's when I got the opportunity at the restaurant. And that's mm-hmm. when I went full time with it because it, you know, I realized that like school for me just didn't make sense. Like I didn't feel like I was growing in the way that I should. But to your point of like the, the questions being asked, like I didn't like how curriculum was just fed to us. Like what's cool about being self-taught, at least in like, cause I didn't, you know, really get a marketing degree or sales degree or anything like that. Everything I've taught myself is through experience and honestly through Google back in the day. And the cool thing, coolest thing about that is like teaching yourself, in my opinion, is you could take on bits of knowledge that you find to be the most interesting. Um, and sometimes not right. You got to force yourself. Hey, I got to take this course about Google ads. It's going to fucking suck. Part one's like intro. I know this, but I gotta, I gotta digest this so I can become smarter and then use it. I think is really, is really key. Um, and I feel like in school, like it's, it's study, take, take tests, right? Like study, take tests, study, take tests, but it's not like in certain, some situations different, but like hands-on is where I learned best. And like, being able to take that knowledge of like how to build a website and then actually build the website or, you know, how to build out a, a, a successful operations, you know, and then actually see that work successfully. Like those are the things that I feel like I, I learned, you know, took in that education and then actually utilized it and saw like can made that connection. Like this makes fucking sense <laughs> instead of, you know, applying knowledge to geology, studying for a test that just literally pointless uh, to get a degree in something that I literally am not going to go into because most of my friends did not even go into the fields that they, they graduated in. So, you know, I think degrees are important. If you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, absolutely. I want you educated. Um, but in, you know, in the realm of business and operations and sales, like depends really where you're going. But I, I don't always find a degree to be that stamp of approval for someone to be successful. Do you have better odds to be successful? Absolutely. I'm not going to argue that. Uh, most of my friends who got degrees ended up being very successful in, in jobs and careers that they like. But for me, school was just not not really working with me. <laughs> and I'm glad it did because, you know, to the to, to the point of this conversation, it's made me a more outspoken entrepreneur. And it's made me more, I would say, catalyst in terms of like me creating my own path and me kind of like taking on, you know, different challenges by creating those like questions like, hey, why are we doing it this way? Definitely. Uh, I pulled up a quick headline because I remember even seeing something like this just going through the uh, the news cycle. And uh, this one says less than 15% of jobs list a bachelor's degree as a requirement for employment. And that goes for knowledge workers and you know companies like the Googles and the Apples of the world and stuff. So It'll be interesting to see what the uh, expectations are for that moving forward. That is very but, interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So I like you know how you took what had been working for you at the restaurant and then f- found another fit for it mm-hmm. with what you're now doing with Hive. And I'm sure anybody 
who is listening to this is probably also on social media and therefore also probably all too familiar with like bots in your inbox or faceless company pages that just obviously like copy and paste and then blast to like sometimes millions of followers the same thing and it's like okay this apart from like discounts and promotions where it's like yeah that saves me money there's just like no connection to like these brand pages but i like how you actually like engaged with the followers who were you know an actual fit for what you were selling and developed some relationships to get them in the door instead of just like you know like the okay we focused on all the wrong metrics we got a million more followers but like who cares it's from a bot farm somewhere overseas and they'll never do business with you so the <laughs> You know, the objective of increased followers is usually a bad one. It should be, you know, depending on what your what your goal is, but it's get more of the right followers or, or build a, you know, deeper relationships with your with the right audience instead of anyone, everyone, grandma, grandpa, the mailman, whoever <laughs> else, where it's like totally irrelevant to what they're doing. So you you mentioned you started this pretty fresh into the pandemic too. So what was it like? launching this when you know in that moment back in i guess it was like april 2020 yeah the world really started to feel <laughs> like it was going through something huge what, what was going through your mind trying to, to launch a business amongst the early chaos of covid it's so funny you say that because it was in my mind the best time right it was like you know the world is in a weird place and i didn't you know i we were locked down in boulder i didn't see it. boulder was specifically very, very locked down place. Florida, my friends were partying, having a great time. Boulder was locked down very, very. So I felt like I was in a different world. And and honestly, it was a good time to start a business. You had nothing going on. We still were working, but I was like, I don't like what I'm doing. And the world's freaking ending, right? Like, might as well start a business. I thought with everything going on, it was the greatest time for businesses to want to connect online. And I mean, I saw it, right? Like a lot of the cannabis menu platforms that were trying to adopt people to like online ordering and stuff like that became overnight successful. The multi, multi, multi-million dollar companies overnight because of the pandemic. So similar in my situation, everyone's like, we can't connect with our customers in store, uh, specifically in the in the cannabis world, because that's where I was I was staying in my lane. I mentioned that I, I had a first customer that it kind of kicked me off, but then my my second customer, ironically, was our direct competitor in the dispensary world. So like the one that I was competing against, to be honest, crushing them. So when they heard that I kind of started my own company, they were interested. They were like, we want to work with you. We don't care what it is. Um, and that was a really good segue into like working with them. Uh, I, I ran three accounts, which is off the rip, a phenomenal gate, like just jumpstart into the business. You know, one, one Instagram account made me pretty good money. Three was like, wow, I'm already having a successful business within the first like three months of running it. So it, it, cause it was the three plus the first initial, you know, call it a, an investor, if you will. I ended up, it was someone who I, I kind of gave my time uh, as like marketing consulting and being their fractional CMO ended up being really more involved with the company, but I gave my time and in return, they paid me for the, the services that I provided, which included my, my Instagram service at the time. But funny enough, you know, we were targeting because with cannabis, it's it's very specific, right? So this business was in Boulder, um, and so ironically, any customer outside of you know, I would say Boulder was irrelevant. Any follower was irrelevant to that area. And so what we quickly realized is, I guess you know, that was really hard to hyper focus on a specific city. Um, obviously, 
you know, we tapped out like I'd say six months in, we kind of went through all the local businesses and things like that. And I kind of hit a wall I, at, at the beginning stages of my business. Ironically, we only had one MVP and it was like, to your point, like get the business in front of the customer. Uh, I actually hadn't even come up with like the direct message component yet and like didn't know because to your point, like I didn't want to be another spam company. So, you know, I was quickly like, all right, how do I like, I have all these followers. I'm showing this client that there's growth. And then before I could even figure out the next MVP, to be honest, uh, the next thing that was going to keep these customers happy, I had picked up some clients on the road, I guess, months months in as well, like some newer clients and different, you know, uh, CBD company, things like that. Uh, but that one company, uh, the first competitor that, you know, I think it was like eight months in or nine months in, might've been even a year or so, uh, they they canned me. It was like an overnight uh, call. You know, the director of marketing's like, "Hey, you know, it's done," and uh, that really put some emphasis on what value am I bringing to the table for how much I'm charging? Because we were charging them, you know, a good amount of money. Um, ironically, it's a lot less than we charge now because I didn't feel like I could say, hey, we're actually bringing you the value that I, we were bringing the followers and the followers were great. The engagement was up. You know, the comments were awesome. Sure. Does that relate to overall like foot traffic and, you know, brand awareness? Absolutely. But I felt like there was a missing component that I was like not carrying through. So ironically, it takes those, oh shit moments, right? Where you lose I would say a majority of my income overnight. And I, I was freaking out um, at the time because my, my company's all staffed with people, right? Like that's the kind of our, our caveat, if you will. Like we are human powered organic growth. I've tried the bot. You mentioned the bot platforms in this question uh, earlier. I've tried them, right? Like I have to know how they work to understand my unique competitive advantage in the space. And the bots get your account shut down. The bots mm-hmm. are the activity targets all people. And it's like, if you're not specifically taking the time to engage with someone who's a real person, you know, lives in your demographic and actually can purchase your product, you're just wasting your engagement because Instagram does consider the amount of times you engage, you know, credit, if you will. So you only have a certain amount of credits throughout the day to to really, you know, utilize. And so you want to make sure that you're utilizing your 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 best guest credits, if you will. Um, and so the follower thing was, uh, you know, the kind of the first chunk uh, after I got canned and, and kind of had to reevaluate some stuff. It uh, it opened up the door for for the the direct messaging component, um, and that was something that I was so afraid to do because, to your point of all these bot messages and things like that. But being that I was a, that marketing director for a restaurant, and being that I was the marketing guy for the dispensary, and I was the one messaging all of these people, I got really good at copywriting, or, or honestly, like more of like understanding a brand's or business voice, and then you know, messaging people in a straight up way, like, Hey, we're so-and-so business, like just curious X, Y, Z. And I feel like when you cut the bullshit out and you, you don't have a a bot like approach and you're, it's a really specific audience you're going after, you know, if we were dispensary, we're going after cannabis consumers for a restaurant, we're going after sorority girls. Like you have to kind of cater your voice to that type of audience. And when you find the right person and you you create that message that really resonates with them, it's cool to see you know how social social media can be. <laughs> I mean, it, it's sure there's comments, there's uh, sharing, there's stories, there's all of that stuff. But I think what really sets sets follower fuel apart is is putting your business in front of a customer and then you know creating that relationship in a way where you know they feel like it's a really unique opportunity. Uh, and the last thing I'd say to that is like an example of this. Uh, I worked with a company called Psychedelic Water, and they were, 
you know, a very odd drink. It's the first psychedelic, you know, legal psychedelic drink in the nation. And it's a kava-based drink. So that really, like, you know, people don't know what kava is. And there's a lot of education behind it. So we would really, you know, have a, we obviously put them in front of people who like yoga studios, people who liked music venues, people who liked, you know, cannabis, honestly, for that matter. Uh, uh, and so we put them in front of those people and then ironically created a conversation where we would educate them on Kava, Damiana, ask them competitor, you know, info, uh, ask them if they've tried psychedelics before. And it, you wouldn't believe the responses that you would get. And it's, it's crazy how people just open up in the DM. So that happened at the end of 2021, 2022 is really when that a lot of that work was going on. And that got me thinking like, why stop with cannabis? You know, not, why am I just limiting myself with just cannabis? Because like the psychedelic water, I could target the entire nation, right? And uh, obviously focusing in specific states, New York, uh, Florida, uh, California, the the key, you know, psychedelic states. But it, it really got my, my brain thinking like, why not take this to the next level? So, th- you know, between building out, you know, the MVP of like our service um, and, and know what that entails, um, and then also just kind of like taking on new clients as I was doing this uh, has just really been an awesome kind of like stepping stone in terms of where we are today. Yeah, one of the uh, silver linings of uh, of COVID for at least your business was the the digital rush for all these companies that were a bit digitally immature and maybe had you know a social media account, but they didn't really use it as a lever for generating revenue. It was kind of just there because they know they had to have it. But now when their entire operation and supply chain and uh, <laughs> you know revenue model gets disrupted because there's a there's a pandemic, yeah, it's interesting that uh, you know, it's it's great that someone benefited from that. You know, like work from home, it's got the word work in it. Now we're working from our spare bedrooms or our basements or our kitchen tables. It was as much a evolution of work as it was of culture and even things like family. Like now you might not need a nanny. Now you might actually get to have breakfast and dinner with the family instead of catching the bus before anyone is even awake and stuff. And I do feel like, you know, we're at the very end of 2023. There's been hundreds of thousands of layoffs and something's just very different out there where everybody feels it and everybody knows that all of those jobs will not get reabsorbed back into the labor market like they previously had. And I don't say that to scare anybody. That's really just like my own speculation. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm feeling. So it's never been more important to consider even a side project just for like a little bit more, you know, cash flow on the side. But more importantly, you mentioned this earlier, the skills you develop doing that. You're not just a cog in the machine. And there are very important specialized cogs and machines. Like that that's not a bad thing. You but when you're forced to do everything, you become the machine. You see yeah. all of the cogs and how they interconnect and how they interrelate and how, you know, when one goes wrong, how it affects the other instead of just you're in your silo, you're in your functional area or your department, you do not go outside of that. So there's loads of benefits to it. And then obviously potential like, you know, money upside too, because cost of living has been just hammering everyone. So uh, yeah, it's tough to, to keep up with with flat wages and everything. But you mentioned something too, um, as far as you weren't the best student, but you had already always explored these ideas on the side. And when you were finally seeing a path to working for yourself, your mindset had adjusted. Can you explain that a, a little bit more detail? Yeah, definitely. It was uh, it was definitely a shock when you know you didn't have to show up to an office. I think 
when I was working at the dispensary at the time, I was transitioning to that, right? Because I started working from home. It was one of the things I wanted to mention in the last question that you had is, uh, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that, you know, asking the question, being the catalyst, right? When I, the reason I got the role at this dispensary in the first place was because, or the marketing roles, because I asked the question, why is no one doing this? Why are we not, mm. you know, going after customers using Google? Why are we not going after customers using social? So being that, you know, person to ask the question really got me up the ranks to to kind of feel and and educate myself hands on experience wise to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so when I you know when I pitched it to the the bosses at the time, I was like, hey, I need to be out of the shop. Like, and that's when COVID wrote me back in, and that's when I was like really upset. And then then I was like, I I enjoyed my schedule of going to the coffee shop every day and just grinding. I don't want to go back to, you know, here's your physical box that you're in from nine to five. So something changed when I kind of made that role for myself. And that was like, you, you, I created a free schedule. Uh, sure. Was I dedicated to specific time at the stores at the time? You know, I had to go in maybe Friday, Saturday, whatever, but when I made the jump to entrepreneurship and I had that free schedule, you know, never had to go to anywhere. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie over the years, it could be, I guess, like a double-edged sword, if you will. Um, you know, just for me as a younger in my twenties, starting my business, kicking things off with COVID, uh, I, you know, obviously had a lot of success off the rip. I really took advantage of it. I'm not going to lie. It, it's something that I had to learn over the years to, uh, I would say manage my time a little bit better um, and, and kind of take the reins on like, hey, like this is how I'm going to have a successful day. And here's the things that I need to do daily, weekly, monthly to become a better entrepreneur. Um, and those are the things that, I, in my opinion, like I guess like I learned through failing, right? Like <laughs> I, I probably, you know, lost some clients or potential clients I could have landed because I was out snowboarding and I took the call from the mountain and I thought it was a cool opportunity. Not going to lie, I've landed some clients that way too. But, um, you know, I, I was a very free guy at the time and it, it kind of warped my whole perspective to, you know, which is still translate today is like kind of these core principles, which is, you know, mental health, right? Like, you know, making sure that you're in a good headspace every day. Um, and if you're not really that, that's something you need to prioritize because it's going to affect your work and it's going to affect the rest of your day. Um, I would say your exercise, like just, that's something that's like key for me. It's like a non-negotiable, you know, I exercise every day, whether it's running, working out, you know, even just snowboarding, things like that. Uh, it's, it's really non-negotiable. And then, you know, the last thing is like just growth and like education and learning. And like, that's one aspect that I really valued the most uh, at that marketing role in the dispensary. And I did learn a lot hands-on as an entrepreneur, mainly through putting out fires and like kind of that like growth period where you take on clients, you know, you break shit, you fix it, you break shit, you fix it. Um, but you know, one of the things that I felt like I, I did kind of lag behind, which I, I started to pick up uh, almost a year ago was just really self-education because you know, you get really, you have this free schedule. You're trying to, you know, obviously have your focus on mental health and making sure you're okay, which that's a whole nother story. I think shout out to Alex Lieberman for, you know, guiding me to a, a good, good headspace uh, with, with his pet podcast as well, the, the uh, Founders Journal. And uh, that's really just kind of gave me like, uh, I guess, self-relief, if you will. You know, I'm walking my dog, I'm freaking out. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get that next client while, you know, also trying to maintain my current clients. And then, you know, also putting out fires. It's like, you go through freaking hell and back some days and you just feel so overwhelmed and you wake up that like, 
for me, the early years after things, you know, got a little rocky after losing that first big client, it was a lot of like, take two steps forward, you know, take a step back and like, uh, or step forward, two steps back, sorry. And um, it, it just, it was this constant cycle of like putting out fires. And I felt like, honestly, as an entrepreneur, I was a fucking firefighter. Like that's what I just did. Uh, and ironically, I didn't see it at the time, but that really was, you know, like I said, I'm a self-learner. Um, that's just how I work. Like those were the things that were necessary for me to get to this point where now I do wake up and I'm like, everything's actually going to be okay. Like it's going to be a good day. But back then it was really like every day was on fire and every day was like, you got to hit this quota or like, you're not going to be able to succeed. Or like, if you know, your business is really not doing well, how are you going to compensate that income? What contract gigs are you going to do? What, what other things are you going to be able to, to do or what value could, could you bring for somebody other, some other business while you're building your business? So um, for me, it was a it, it it was a tough journey in those beginning years, and I feel like it's not over. <laughs> you know, it's not. I, I'm still gonna go through a lot of hardship, but I I learn through failure. I learn through hardship. So I, I I honestly, it's one of those things that like it's so ironic and corny, but people are always like, start, just start, just start. But like that's the only way you're gonna learn. Like you have to just throw yourself into this business. You have to put yourself in front of a new client that you're scared to to shoot the shit with. And you have to, you know, you know, manage a team, even if they don't like you. I've had employees that hate me, like literally tell me, Hey, you're a terrible manager. And I, and back in college, especially like I was a 22 year old kid. What the hell did I know? And it was friends that I worked with. And they were like, you sucked at manager. You're an asshole. And I was like, damn, I I'm taking that experience and I'm going to, you know, go back and, and make myself a better manager. And so now fast forward to the follower fuel, we're, we're kind of a lean team, if you will. Uh, you know, just, four of us. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had a bigger team with follower fuel and slowly realized that, you know, operate because you have a bigger operations doesn't mean you're going to have more success. Um, I, I truly am a believer of like utilize everyone to their best potential. Um, and, you know, appreciate the, the smaller team that you have and grow, you know, uh, accordingly. But these are the things that I learned over time running this business. So, uh, you know, putting out fires and just kind of going through the motions is really like the things that have made me a better entrepreneur today. Mm, yeah. You mentioned you plan out how you're going to have a productive and successful day or week or month and exercise is a, a non-negotiable one. I completely agree with that. Beyond that, what are some other things that you intentionally design into your day to set yourself up for success? First thing is just a, a mentor of mine gave me this advice that it sticks with me forever. Uh, and it's preparation meets opportunity, which equals success. So, you know, for me, preparing the night before is key. And, and I, I know it's like one of those things that you feel like you don't have the time. And especially now with a kid, it really makes you feel like you don't have the time. But even if it cuts into your work time, if you will, like that is work. Like if, if I can wake up just already having my day prepared, it makes me a 10 times more effective and more efficient person. So that's, that's the little step that I take. Sleep, getting, you know, making sure I'm going to bed on time. You know, the whole blue light, cutting blue light off, it does help, you know, like stop watching TV an hour before you're going to go to bed. For me, I have a rule. It's like be in bed by at least 10 o'clock, which is not too late, honestly. Um, so, um, yeah, it starts with the night, starts with preparation. And then in the morning, um, you know, outside of exercise, I, I feel like my schedule is ever changing, you know, with, with a kid and kind of uh, working around that. But my, my non-negotiables are eating uh, or no caffeine in the morning. You know, for me, it's no caffeine before uh, I would say like nine o'clock, which, you know, is, is I'm up at usually like 6am. Uh, so for those first three hours, it's like, just be, you know, there, you know, just be 
you know, no, no food for probably like the first hour. I'm usually just playing my kid. I wake up with him, that kind of, that, that's been a good routine, if you will. Like, I don't know if it'll be able to last because, um, of some, you know, extra workload that's coming in. Um, but I have had the opportunity for this past 10 months to be able to wake up with my kid and play with him for an hour and like spend time with him. And like, that's just been the best way to start my day. Full transparency. I, I don't know if it's going to last cause I have, my workload is going up, but, uh, at least in this first year of his life, like it's been so cool to be able to do that. Like I know a lot of people have to get out the door, get to their jobs. But for me, it's been literally hanging out with my child for the first hour and a half, two hours, and then pass them off to you know my partner. And then she, she'll obviously take care of him and I go to work, if you will. Um, and from there, it's either go to the gym, go to work. Um, I'm a big believer of like, you know, I've, I've basically had the opportunity to, you know, make my own schedule. So for the past three years, right? And uh, it's something that I'm ever constantly working on, if you will. I feel like I, I never have the perfect schedule. Sometimes I'm like uh, a little bit more work this day, a little bit less work that day. So it always fluctuates. And, and believe me, I want to be the perfect soldier and have it lined out every single day. That's my goal. But I just never, and that's all, that's a me personal thing. I'm working on that, trying to be more accountable, things like that. But for me, it's really just about you know spending time with my family. Uh, exercising is key. Education is key, uh, whether it's just reading a chapter in a book, learning something online, teaching yourself a new skill, picking up a new customer, and maybe, or even trying something new with your current customers, right? Like that's an awesome way to just open up the doors for, for new opportunities. And then, you know, outside of that, I, I would say just reflecting and just kind of overall like deep thought in terms of like this thing on the back behind me over here is a, is a segment from a, a, a think and grow rich. It's a self-confidence formula and it's something that I read every morning. So that's also something that I do. Um, I actually have like a little everyday to do right next to me, which is basically morning hang time with Ari, read self-confidence formula, deep focus work from nine to one, weight train or trail run. That's kind of like my two, my two caveats there. Read one chapter of my book, reflect, write, and strategize for about from four to six. Uh, and then nighttime hang with Ari, which, you know, usually bath time with the kid. And then from there, it's uh, spend time with my super supermodel baby mama, girlfriend, aka love my life. <laughs> and uh, that's nice. important too. Relationship is is key. And, you know, even though you go through a, a fucking hell of a day at work, you got to come home and be present um, because, you know, your partner matters and they're your support line. And if they're not there for you, you know, it's a, it's a harder, it's a harder journey for sure. That's all great. So I want to, I want to segue from you specifically, and I know you kind of can't because you are your business, but <laughs> away from you, you know, so personally and more towards your business. So you specialize in Instagram marketing, but is there anything else you help clients with? Absolutely. I feel like that's kind of the cool part about running your own business, right? Is like, as you're building these skills, you can offer them to really anyone who, who wants to work with you. Instagram marketing has been a really cool way to build trust and a foundation with the client. I've helped clients uh, build out sales teams um, in terms of like hiring, training, um, you know, staffing, those kind of things, uh, building out operations, building CRMs, um, building out, you know, email marketing, social media entirety, uh, helping with strategy, helping with content. Uh, I've actually hired out multiple content creators under under me because I like to say that we don't do content at Follower Fuel, but that's not really the case. If you need content, we ha- we work with the best people. I just personally like to be hands off. We don't want to take a cut. Even like this is you know awesome content creators that are going to really you know the reality is with Instagram is 
with our business, I like to say this, we can lead a horse to water, but we can't make a drink. You have to have mm-hmm. good content. So that's why typically we work with companies that are already successful. Um, and, and, and in a way, right. Uh, I had a restaurant, a uh, client, uh, you know, for example, um, who, you know, has a rock Instagram, um, and has, does, has a lot of success with it, but, you know, started to see a dip in their engagement and follower growth. And I explained to him what we do. Hey, we could put your business in front of new followers, new potential customers, uh, that would actually be interested in your food. And then from there, like track it, right. We could get, collect their emails and send out email marketing, which, you know, for example, that relationship now turned into me running his email marketing. So it, it, it's ironic, right? So it's like email marketing. I, I, I built a website recently for a client um, that ended up being a, a really big project that I'm like, holy shit, I'm gonna have to spend, you know, maybe five hours a week, 10 hours a week building this thing because the roadmap is huge. And so it went from like a two grand website to probably what's going to be like a 15 grand website, which is awesome. Like, I mean, I'm all about taking on new opportunities and like, like if I have the time, of course, I would say the coolest thing for for my business and just speaking to all the solopreneurs out there, it's like I get this question a lot, and I, I I've kind of opened up my floodgates to, on LinkedIn, saying like I'm not anything special. I'm just someone who's building something that I I, I love and I enjoy, and I uh, I see the scalability in it, so I'm going to keep doing it. And I have a lot of entrepreneurs come to me and they're like, how do you manage your time? Like how do you get new clients? How do you do all these things? And like I feel like that comes down to like the systems and processes you created, which for me was a lot of those early years, like breaking and fixing things like SOPs was my like bread and butter for being able to have things run smoothly. Um, You know, we get a new client, they go, uh, they go through the onboarding, they click this link, they sign the contract. We send them an invoice, they're paying through Stripe, it's automatic. But before it was a shit show, you know? (laughs) Uh, So I feel like once you start to automate and simplify your processes, being honest, my my business follower fuel really does run on automation. And I say that because my time is really spent client relationships, building better relationships with my clients, meeting with them, understanding their goals, and then obviously pushing them in the right direction uh, through the, the key data, the metrics that we're using. Hey, customers are saying they like this flavor over that flavor. You probably should talk to your sales team and see what's going on there. Um, so it, it, it's really it's really awesome to be able to just be on the creative side, if you will. And uh with the operation side that the business runs, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've managed to, you know, have my team really be the boots on the ground in the accounts. And I have a rock star manager. Uh, her name's Ivy and she's my bread and butter. Like I, I, I don't, I could not have done any of this without her. Um, she was the best hire of my entire life. And she's someone who like, you know, I carry the torch and she's, she's carrying the torch to the team because, you know, obviously as a CEO and you're building out your team, um, sometimes the the communication is difficult between you and every single member. So it's nice to be able to at least have somebody who you can, you know, carry that, that vision to, and then her carrying that vision to the rest of the team and say, Hey, this is where we're going. You know, here's the growth, you know, behind the scenes that Garen's working on because I'm not in the Instagram accounts and I'm not growing them directly, but I am setting up the operations. I'm setting up the campaigns. Um, so it's, you know, it's one of those things that I would say, like, that's how you have to scale. Like it's, it's the only way is setting these systems, setting these processes. Um, so you can work on the things that are important and ironically having all this free time, right. Has allowed me to take on these additional product projects. Hey, client, you want a fucking website? Cool. Let's build a website. Um, you know, client, you want an email marketing? You know what? I got an extra five hours this week. Let's do it. Like, and I wouldn't have had those opportunities to further develop, uh, relationships and, you know, take on new, new challenges with these clients. If I didn't have the system running on its own, I will say 
the one thing that I learned, which I would have taken back, if you will, is when I first started this business, I was full service, right? I was like Google ads, website, this, that. The thing that helped me the most, ironically, was dumbing it down, focusing on one thing. What do you do? We do Instagram growth. What about Facebook? No, we don't do Facebook. We do Instagram. What about Snapchat? Nope. We do Instagram. And I think niching down to specifically Instagram, at the time, it was actually cannabis Instagram. So we were like hyper niche. But, uh, and that worked. Great. I had tons of cannabis brands that I've worked with. Um, honestly, have fizzled out most of them just based on the cannabis industry and kind of where it's at. Um, and I've really taken on a lot more uh, different clients like the psychedelic water client that I mentioned that are outside the box restaurants, if you will, that I'm finding to be so much fun. And I'm able to take all of this knowledge and experience that I've gained in different industries and apply it to those. So it's just been uh, an everlasting fun journey. And I feel like I'm just getting started. You know, I feel like there's so many new projects that I have set up with different clients in 2024 that I'm just really fired up for. Nice. Yeah. I ask because it can be a challenge to niche into a specific area and then be known for that. And thereafter, when you're uh, offering additional services, it has to have some coherence and be complementary to the other services and the other like business model that you might offer. However, once you're in, you're in. Like you, when you work with founders, when you work with um, you know leaders or teams, you just got to pr- solve problems. And right. there's obviously you know different ways to solve different problems. So like if it's truly a marketing problem, you got to have marketing competence and expertise to, to fix it. However. Part of just working with clients is you just develop a partnership and you can explore like, okay, so what other problems do you need to be solved? So like in, in your instance, we're we're working on the Instagram for you. We're crushing it over there, but that's not the only part of your business. What's up with the website? What's up with the sales team? Uh, and I've spoken to like copywriters who that's what, that's the hat they wear. They say, I do B2B marketing copy, copy for cybersecurity companies pretty specific, but they've been with some clients for one, two, four years. And like, yes, they're helping them with like, you know, copywriting and the content strategy, but they're also kind of riding shotgun for like the big marketing plan. So it's not just here, give me the word count that I want to pay you for. It can be sometimes some partnerships, that's all there is. But I know it can be a big challenge to niche yourself without that becoming so constraining that it feels like you have amputated all these other opportunities that might be out there. You have to do it. <laughs> like yeah. you you just said it. Like you're you're right here from your mouth living proof. When you were Google Ads, when you were Facebook Ads, when you were all these things, it's just a bit much and like people don't want that decision fatigue. They don't want that choice. So you have to place your bets and it will evolve. Like I'm sure if you come back on the end of um, uh, next year, you will have new services. Yeah. Why? Because that's what the market does. Because that's what technology does. That's what the platforms and algorithms do. That's what buying behavior does. So, you know, you can be specific and you can be niche, but you can also be living and breathing and adaptive based on what's going on out there. I think like there's a wrong way to do that. Like you, you probably wouldn't say like, hey client, I can also be your CPA. Give me your QuickBooks and I'm going to be your accountant. Like maybe like if you're, you know, but like eh, some of that, okay, that, that doesn't make sense. So like that example aside, there's plenty that you can still do. Even if you say I am X for Y, you have conversations with your clients, you explore, you know, what problems need to be solved. You help them solve them or you connect them to other people who can solve them better than you can. 
like not to be so reductive, but I like your story because you were everything to everyone and then you're nothing to no one. <laughs> quoting uh, Sylvia Spector, who was on our first podcast and she had brought that up and it that. just it's, it persists in all these conversations. So uh, yeah, it's for anybody listening out there, it's a struggle to niche, but you have to do it. And once you do it, it is not the end of the services. It's not this death <laughs> sentence that you will only ever do that in perpetuity. Uh, you know, things will uh, will be elastic and can can move on. So yeah, you mentioned uh, part of what you do too is obviously like client engagement, develop the relationships. How have you historically gotten business? What are your your sales motions? It's a great question. Probably the most difficult uh, question, right? <laughs> and that is a process that I would say is everlasting and ever changing as well, right? Uh, it's what I was doing to get sales years ago is is different from what I'm doing today. It's ironic because you touched a lot on this and the last thing that you just talked about, which is, you know, taking on different roles and different responsibilities for clients. When you start to, when you're not, when you have that entrepreneurial mindset and you understand the different, you know, and again, not every service has to know every part in a business. This is just, you know, I think the skills that are important, understanding business operations and how it helps you get more clients, right? Because it opens up those, the opens the door for questions like, what is your sales team doing? What is, you know, how are you guys, how is your website looking? I actually use all of that knowledge to preliminarily check and identify who I want to work with because <laughs> I've worked with so many different types of clients over the years. And at first, I, I would say the, the bread and butter of starting a business is take on, in my opinion, any sort of work you can get. You know, your friends, you know, I had my friend's dad reach out to me, wanted me to start a, you know, build a website for him. I was like, sure, I'll take it on. I could eat the money. You know, this early, early years. Uh, I had, you know, someone who wanted to run an Instagram uh, called the Marijuana Nuts and it was a ridiculous product and he had like a couple hundred bucks to pay me. I'm not even kidding. And I was like, we'll do minimal work, but, you know, we'll, we'll see if this works. I found that the types of clients that, in my opinion, just don't have their shit together, right? The businesses that don't have all of the working pieces, you know, don't have the big budgets and they usually don't they're usually hyper-focused on ROI, right? Like I'm giving you a thousand bucks or 500 bucks at the time. Like how, how am I going to get that money tomorrow? And there are businesses like, you know, ad focused businesses that are, you know, money in, money out, but our service is, is a, is a longer lasting service, right? Uh, some of the clients that I've worked with, it's been relationship for two years plus, uh, which has been incredible three years, even with one client. And that's the type of clients I'm looking for. And I've been able to do that by saying, you know what? They have a rockin' website. They have a, a successful content plan. They're, they're doing something. They see value in Instagram. They're putting money into it. They're paying somebody to post pictures and write captions. Maybe it's not the best, right? Maybe I can connect them with this person that you know is my content team. They could do a better job if they want. But I see that they have a marketing director. It's not the CEO wearing all these hats. So I've, I've really, over the course of the years, working with all these different types of clients, started to identify the types of clients that I already know would be like the most successful client, the most successful relationship, which in my opinion, kind of weeds out the uh, outreach, if you will. It makes it more hyper-focused. At first, I've, I used to do cold email, LinkedIn, you know, all of, the, all of that kind of stuff. I tried to automate it and it just sounded all so generic that because I was shooting my shot in all the different directions, I felt like it wasn't working. Now it's been a lot more of picking out like five businesses in a month that I'm like, I freaking like these people. Or, you know, for example, I worked with a company, Psychedelic Water, and now I have, I have a meeting set up with a company called Psychedelics Today, which is like a educational platform. They want to teach people about how to, you know, 
become educators in the space, things like that. They're selling a course and they want to work with me because of my experience working with them. Um, and they're like, okay, cool. You clearly know what you're doing. So it's like, you know, I'm getting, I'm utilizing my current clients and case studies to get more clients in that, in those industries. Um, the biggest difficulty for me has been breaking into new, new industries. Cause you know, especially when I was, you know, hive social, which just to be clear, I was hive social. We kind of re, you know, restructured things and now we're follower fuel. And the reason being right is because the verbiage, right? There was a whole difficulty with the verbiage and my own website. And like, I realized that I was like, damn, I need to like make this more simple. So like my, even my own mom understands what the hell I'm doing because she's, you know, doesn't know anything in the cannabis space. So I restructured all of my words, all of my services, made it more clear, made it more straightforward. I, I read it back, got feedback from my friends, family, you know, ramped up my case, uh, my case studies, my pitch decks, my website, uh, again, recreated this new, new company called follower fuel. You think follower fuel, it's uh, kind of like an instant thing. Like, Oh, clearly I know what the hell they're doing. Hive social. I had a client who literally just for two years, doesn't even know how to say hive. Like it would just be like, hi V E. And now I'm like, all right, if my own client doesn't know my name, I need to re, you know, rebrand this. So rebranding was key for me. Uh, I did a lot of cold outreach and now I've actually turned that into uh, like I mentioned, hyper-focus outreach, um, really just sending out cold uh, video DMs has been my strategy in the sense of, you know, I'm, I'll identify someone on LinkedIn that I want to work with business-wise and then find the right person, uh, reach out to them, uh, connect with them if they want me to, but mainly just send them a video saying, hey, I got your Instagram in front of me. Um, you know, I'll take Christy Sports, if you will. This is a client that I would love to work with. So Christy, if you ever have an opportunity to see this podcast, it would be a dream. But they're a local ski, you know, ski snowboard. Uh, it's kind of like a like a dick sporting goods uh, for those, you know, who aren't in Colorado. And uh, I, they have great engagement, great comments. They're doing collaborative posts with all the ski resorts. But at the same time, I asked them a simple question that, is it goes back to the the beginning of this conversation, which is poking the bear, right? It's it's about starting asking them a question that makes them either think, "Damn, I don't know if we're doing this," which is out of all this engagement I'm seeing on your profile here, Chrissy Sports, and I say just like this, I sent him a video. How do you know if any of these people have been into one of your locations in the last thirty days? That's what we do at Follower Fuel. My name's Garen. If you want to talk, let's talk because I, I feel like I have something, right? Like I've been building this for years. Um, again a lot of rockiness to get to this point, but like I have this service, it works great. It's super affordable for businesses like Christie Sports and those bigger, you know, bigger clients that I want to work with. I'm just letting you know it's available because the ironic part is most people don't even know what the service is. They're like, oh, I have a social media manager. Someone already manages my content. That's great. That's awesome. We we want to work with you and work with you. Oh, I, I use an agency, my, my restaurant client first said to me. Great. Your agency's crushing the content game. We we are going to bring more customers to your page and have that engagement go up. And so it's like we are just a fuel to the fire, you know. Hence the follower fuel. Uh, we are literally a service that helps connect businesses put by putting them in front of their ideal customer and then converting them from followers to customers through creating relationships in the DMs. And you know, it's not a bot service. It's not a a, a cold blast. It's you know, we have my team has been with me for years. We get this. We understand it. And it's a really efficient service at an affordable rate that in my opinion, like nobody really knows about. So I'm on this mission right now in 2024 to really hit a lot of different industries. And the restaurant is is really one of my top priorities right now. So I'm going after all of the big chain restaurants because 
I see a huge market gap in all of these big chain restaurants. They're they're posting content on social media, and in my opinion, they're just you mentioned this earlier. They're kind of just checking it off their list. Oh, we're posting on social media. We already have success. Like, sure, they're putting money here, they're putting money there, but in my mind, they're leaving money on the table. Like, you have Instagram, you have all this money, you're spending thousands in other ways, like a billboard. Why not just put $1,500, $2,000 into this service? That's going to blow your Instagram up. It's going to drive real sales. Um, and so that's that's why I'm doing what I do. I, I see a long-term vision for success. Again, with me, it's I, I do have to take on contract gigs, uh, things like that to kind of survive and sustain, for sure. You know what I mean? It's it's a tough time raising a family. Uh, I think just to be fully transparent, it's it's really like just being a sole provider for my my family, it's it's upwards of a hundred thousand plus just to be able to live com- somewhat comfortably, if you will, not even excluding the, all the fanciness. And so that's a lot of fucking money. And to be honest, like my business uh, has been doing well, well over six figures, nothing crazy with like a smaller clientele, like six to eight clients per year, I would say. Three, four of those have worked with me for years. So it's really just about identifying those key rock star companies that I see success in working with for the longevity. Um, and those are the best ones. Like I'm not in it for the quick turn and burn. I don't want to work with somebody for a month, two months. I want to work with somebody for years. And so it's a lot about picking the person you want to work with, explaining to them or asking them the question that really gets them thinking. And then, you know, obviously just kind of opportunity, right? You, you do it consistently time over time. Somebody's going to give you the opportunity and then you can build good relationships with them. You can build good case studies with them. And then you could take that case study and obviously use it to get you more clients. And I think that that is like, I don't know, people ask me all the time, how do you start? How do you, where do you start? Just in my opinion, take on free work. You know, with that marketing role at the dispensary, the first thing I did was, oh, I'll do this for free. I'll run your social. Yeah, no worries. I'll, I'll do some pictures on Instagram. I'll do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, now it's working? You're not thousand bucks extra, you know, a month. And then it's like you kind of build on that. So I say just start. Take on take on people want the opportunity to work for free. You know, you, somebody comes to me and says, Hey Garen, I'm gonna run your social media for follower fuel right now for free, just because I want to get experience. I'm a new college student, I'm hungry to learn. Fucking hell yeah, that's awesome. Saves me money, gives them case study. And then that they take that case study and they could use that to get another client. So like it's all about just like creating good, valuable work with the clients. And then taking that to get more clients. And I, I think there's a, for me, a little bit of difficulty going from cannabis to restaurant. But now that I have that restaurant, thankfully it was a mutual connection from school, ironically, back to the networking game. And uh, I, he gave me the opportunity and it's been so successful. And now I could take this and say, hey, restaurant chain or even brick and mortar store like Christie Sports. Hey, here's the value we could bring you based on of us bringing you know value to this other chain uh, and, and look what we've done for them. Nice. That's great. So you brought it up a little bit earlier, as did I, we touched on it, where the solopreneur freelancer consultant space is getting a lot of interest, a lot of it as forced by things like layoffs, but a lot of it just out of curiosity of folks who are like, life's short. I just want to give it a good solid try. If I'm working from my kitchen table, I can, doesn't matter you know where my customers are, where the company is. Like if I got Wi Wi-Fi, I can be pr- productive and I can develop these skills. So where do you see this space going? If there's been a, a spike in interest, do you think that that will crash and flatten out? Do you see it continuing to snowball? What's what's shaping your outlook on this? Businesses today need to be promoting the people that work there. I I, I think 
businesses now more than ever, and that's something going back to how I, you know, even get clients in the first place. Thankfully, I don't know why people like me, <laughs> and and I, not all people, obviously. Uh, but you you really have to be personable. You have to be transparent, and you have to be yourself. Uh, and I think people buy from people more than anything. That's what I've seen in every single business. So ironically. You know, digital services are all very new, right? Like 2020 really kicked that thing into gear. And what I've seen in the last couple of years is since everyone has been more behind the scenes at home, um, working from home, we've seen case studies, we've seen studies uh, across, you know, multiple reputable sources, you know, productivity's up. You know, people like working from home. You know, this is the new life. Uh, me personally, you know, I plan on being you know, not at least stay at home, but just having the flexibility to control my schedule because I want to be able to take time off with my kid whenever I want to do that. So, and I know I'm not the only one. I see it every day on LinkedIn. You know, that is what, in my opinion, is success. It's like you control your own schedule, you control your own time, and you have the financial freedom to obviously do all these fun things and not have to worry about it. So that's where I want to be. I'm, I'm not there yet. I want to get to a point where I have enough financial freedom um, to be able to just say, hey, like, I could pick up my laptop in freaking Mexico and, uh, you know, do a couple hours of work and then just go uh, hop on some jet skis with my kid, you know, uh, five years from now would be my goal. Uh, so that's, that's where I want to be personally. And I feel like there's so many leaders in the space like yourself, uh, you know, honestly, like that are seeing, Hey, like there are more entrepreneurs or there are more freelancers or consultants that want to, you know, grow. And ironically, the best way about promoting your business is, you know, like, for example, I, I know a girl, I'm not going to name her, uh, but she's has a, a kind of a finance, uh, she's like a, a CFO, fractional CFO for cannabis companies. And she doesn't even, I don't even know the name of her freaking company. Like, you know, she's obviously solopreneur and I'd love to connect you with her because she's a, she's a badass too. I just know who she is because, and I know that I want to work with her ironically or, or connect her with business because of who she is. I don't know her business name. I don't know anything about that. And most people, again, my own clients didn't even get my name right. Like, I don't think people buy from businesses, they buy from people. So self-branding and self, you know, creating content and, you know, creating a community is really what I'm looking to do in these next couple of years. Uh, for me, I'm just still in the process of figuring that out. You know, like I'm young, I'm 29. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot and I've had a lot of experiences that have led me to this point. But at the same time, I feel like I don't know shit. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm just now like figuring out what I want to do, which is sales, marketing are, are kind of like the two, uh, you know, I would say like, you know, boxing gloves, if you will, to do what I really want to do, which is business growth overall. Like I love going into businesses and, you know, making them better and in every aspect from marketing and sales. So now I'm like, how do I, you know, make that a community thing? And I've, I've joined actually some startup groups like startups.com. Um, that was really cool, uh, because, you know, it's connected me with other entrepreneurs and it's, it's just been a space where I can like talk openly about some of the difficulties I've had. So uh, I will give them a shout out in this because it's been really helpful for me as an entrepreneur and it's fairly cheap. You know, it was like, ended up being 50 bucks a month. So I see, I got the value in my first meeting connected with this awesome lady who ended up being close friends with 50 cent. And I was like, how do you know my idol? Like what, what the hell? So like, I, I feel like the ROI was there off the rip. It's been a fun journey. And I, I feel like I'm really, uh, really setting myself up in this new year just to take on more growth and kind of put myself in a better direction. That's great. Uh, before we close out, any final thoughts we haven't touched on you want to cover? I do want to say sorry if I've got off some tangents again, because I like to, <laughs> like to talk on certain subjects and I'm very passionate about it. So um, that's it's really what I feel like 
uh, entrepreneurs have to be is uh, just passionate about business, passionate about, you know, it never stops. You know, that's the one thing that if you do get in, get your game and get your skin in the game, like it never stops. Um, you know, obviously the goal for me uh, as a founder, as a, as a dad is to spend these next hopefully 10 years, build a really successful you know, couple businesses and have those businesses work for me where I do have the free time to do the things I want, but you got to be obsessed with it. I mean, you can't just look at it like a job. If you are that person who really does live for the weekends and like wants to just, you know, kind of, you know, have fun and, you know, take time off and like really just like live a very comfortable lifestyle. Entrepreneurship is not for you. Consulting is not for you. Um, you know, solopreneur is not for you. It's, it is fucking hard. I'm, <laughs> I, I don't know if I've, uh, if I was able to, to say that in all of this, but it is a hard journey and it's still hard. And I feel like the cool thing about it, right. Is you throw yourself into the fire and you take on all these challenges and difficulties and you become a more successful, more tolerant, you know, entrepreneur and more person. So then it's inevitable when you get older, right. In the next 10 years, I'm going to know how to run businesses. I'm going to know how to start businesses, you know, in, in a second. Oh, I've done this before. I did this 10 years ago. So you got to just have to start. You kind of have to put yourself in front of that client. You have to just take the leap of faith and just do it. Um, and I'd say the biggest sign to do that is really like hitting a glass ceiling at your current nine to five. Uh, when you're at your nine to five and you hit a glass ceiling, you feel like there's no room to grow. You can't climb that corporate ladder anymore and you want to do more, do more. Just do what you need to do for your your main business to bring that income in and then focus your free time, whether it's after work, before work, or even on the weekends to really build something that can allow you to spend more time in that. Good, good way to close things out. So yes, just start. <laughs> start intelligently, start with a plan, but uh, don't let that planning, 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 hold anyone back from uh, just trying to get proof of concept and proof of you. So absolutely. Garen, this was great. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate the conversation and, uh, and all the insights. So uh, thanks so much for the time and for being a great guest. Likewise. Thank you for the opportunity. It was, it was honestly a little nerve wracking, but it was a great time. I, I really enjoyed nice, it. Nice. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I love hearing from any of you. So if there's comments, feedback, requests, you name it, please shoot me a DM. If you found any of this interesting or useful, please let me know. If you're ever interested in working with any guests who come on the show and, and would like an introduction, please don't hesitate to reach out. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, I'm always looking to have more conversations with interesting people willing to share their stories. Don't be shy to shoot me a note and we can have a chemistry session to see if our dialogue would be a good fit to share with others. Stay tuned for more episodes and updates, and take care.